This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Okay, thank you, love. You may be seated. <laughs> thank you for staying. Bless your heart. Um, first of all, uh, before I get into the Word, I would like to share something. Sorry? Something that's very important. Uh, uh, Two causes that are very dear to my heart, um, women and orphans. So the first one is Brave to Love, and Brave to Love is Emma, and they rescue women and children who are trafficked, and they also go on the streets and amongst the prostitutes, and they rescue them from dangerous, difficult circumstances. So Emma... We are very pleased, and we raised 50,000 rand when we did significant. So we are very happy to give her 50,000 rand towards her new house, Brave to Love, and lost. And when she came for the run, she brought five of the girls who were trafficked, and the youngest one was only 17 to 22. And um, they even rescued a little baby who was two. Two, who does that except the devil? So we are very excited and proud. Isn't she beautiful? Good job, girl. The beginning of many. Okay, and here we have Orphans Kids Haven. They help 150 orphans, and we are embarking on fixing up and aiding them to be self-sustained while ensuing all safety of their six homes. So we're going to install a JoJo, which is um, with the help with the water shortages. We're going to put up solar lighting um, outside for them. We're going to replace four old stoves with four new microwaves. We're going to fix broken doors, handles, cupboards throughout the six houses. And CFCI Welfare is going to do the project from beginning to end, starting this month. So, we, Lynn Dewey, we're going to give you a hundred thousand, a hundred thousand towards the, uh, looking after Kids Haven and the children's home. So, praise the Lord, family. Let's give the Lord praise. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Okay, let's remain while well, you are standing. Father, into your presence, we come, dear sir, to praise and to worship and to honor you. We say this is a day that you have made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. And we thank you, Father, for giving us Jesus and the precious Holy Spirit. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you'll rise up big within me now, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare that I'm a servant, ready to be used by the Master tonight. And I thank you, Father, I'll speak a word bold, fearlessly, effortlessly carried by the wind of the Spirit that fear will be dispelled, but faith will rise up in the hearts of your people. And we are Christian Family Church. We are not only hearers of the Word, but we are doers of the Word, and therefore we have good success in Jesus' name. And you may be seated. Glory to God. We, uh, we, again, we welcome San Antonio and Cape Town. We're so happy that you're with us. And we know that God has a wonderful word for you. So the title of my message is, God has more in store for me. So come on, Cape Town. Come on, San Antonio. Let's say that together. God has more in store for me. Let's say it. God has more in store for me. 
Well, I believe with all my heart that the church is coming into a new season of miracles and provision and a fresh anointing where Christians who are hungry for God, they're going to be walking in unspeakable joy and they're going to be full of glory. There's going to be a new dimension of people walking in a fresh anointing of God. When people see us and they meet us, their lives are gonna be impacted for good. They're gonna be healed. They're gonna be delivered. They're gonna be set free. Demons are gonna come out in Jesus' name. Glory to God. We can live an empowered life by God where we see our circumstances change. We can move forward into the divine destiny that God has planned for each and every one of us. So to, to right now, we're going to go on a little spiritual journey. Are you ready to go on a journey with me? We're going to go from the Old Testament and we're going to go from Gilgal, say Gilgal, to Bethel, to Jericho, and to Jordan. And we're going to learn from these types of uh, types and shadows about our spiritual progress. We're going to realize once again that God has so much more waiting in store for us. And it's called the abundant life. It's called the life of provision. It's called uncommon favor. Let's see all those who have uncommon favor. Glory to God. We're going to hear God's voice. We're going to walk in victory. We're going to have a life of joy, peace, and happiness. Glory to God. We're going to live a life where we see miracles on a daily basis. We're going to walk in a greater anointing of God's presence and power in our lives where we are going to take the limits of off God. Are you ready to take the limits of God tonight? And everybody said, yes, I am. Glory to God. Let's have a look at our first scripture, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. It says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. We cannot imagine, family, all that God has prepared for us, not only in eternity, but for us right in this life. And of course, the title of my message is, God has more in store for you. So God's blessings that we all want to enjoy and His abundant life, they don't just happen by chance. Going to the next level will always cost us something. We have to make an effort to possess it. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So if we truly want to have a happy home, uh, we want peace of mind, we want to have great relationships, we want to have stable homes, we want incredible marriages, well-rounded, godly children, we want to be financially stable. We cannot afford to be casual seekers. We cannot be for, afford to be casual inquirers because the Lord does not reward casual inquirers, because the Lord rewards diligently seek seekers. And you know, God gives the birds of the air food to eat, but he expects them to fly and go get it. They don't just open the beak and the seed comes. 
They've got to get up, they've got to move, and they've got to do something to go and get it. And so we too have to pursue our destiny that God has prepared for us. So God has put in the Old Testament types and shadows as meaningful examples and lessons to help us live our lives. For example, we know that Egypt was a type of the world. We know Moses was a type of Christ and the Red Sea is a type of water baptism. And the wilderness is a type of process of sanctification. So tonight we're going to have a look at our journey that Elijah and Elisha took, which represents various stages of our spiritual growth, our walk in the Lord. So we're going to look at 2 Kings 2 verse 1, and I'm going to read, and I can read pretty fast, so just keep up. And when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down together to Bethel. Verse four, then Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here now, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elisha replied again, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went together to Jericho. Then Elijah said to Elisha, you stay here now, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. 50 men from the group of the prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elisha stopped at the Jordan River. Then Elijah folded his cloak together and struck the water with it. The river divided, and two of them went across on dry ground. And so it was, when they had crossed over, that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please, give me a double portion of your spirit. Let that be upon me. And Eli, uh, Elijah replied, You have asked a difficult thing. But if you see me when I'm taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, then you won't. So we see here that Elisha was not satisfied with his spiritual progress. He wanted more. He wanted everything that God had for him, and he was willing to pursue God for his destiny. So there are four stops in our spiritual journey, and stop number one is Gilgal. Say Gilgal. Gilgal in the Old Testament is a type of a new beginning. It's a starting point of our Christian life. It's a starting point of our, point of our spiritual journey. We see in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So God told Joshua, Joshua, I want you to circumcise the new generation of Israelites. So Joshua did that as a sign of cutting off the old life and starting a new life with God. Remember all those men who had come out of, of Egypt, now they um, were all grown up and they had sons, but then the older men, they all had to die in the wilderness because they died because of their moaning, their complaining, their grumbling, and their what if and attitude, right, and all their baggage, and if only attitude. Now, all their sons had grown up, and they had to be circumcised before they could enter the Canaan, the land of their promise. 
Joshua 5, 9 says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, so the place has been called Gilgal to this day. So Gilgal represents God beginning a new thing in our lives, and it's a place where sometimes well, we do make immature decisions because we haven't grown up spiritually in the things of God. It's at Gilgal that the children of Israel were ruled by godly judges. And all was well with God's people until they started mixing with ungodly nations, such as the Midianites, the Amalekites, and so on. But now that they were mixing with the ungodly nations, they wanted to adopt their ideals, their customs, and their values. And it's like the Christians who mix so much with the world that they adopt the world's values and systems as a part of their lives. Many, many years ago, Apostle Thea and I were invited to speak at a church, and it was on the coastline. And after Apostle Thea had spoken, the pastor said, please, can we, you know, we live on the coast. We're going to rent a boat, and we're going to take you for a cruise up and down for the afternoon. We want you to meet our pastors. We want you to meet our leaders. And so we're going to go on this cruise. Well, we were super excited about it. However, when we got onto the boat, it actually turned out to be a booze cruise. I never expected anything like that, and I was quite taken aback. And we were the only two that never drank, and the others were definitely under the weather, and that's all I'm going to say about it. But it's dangerous, family, when we as born-again believers want to be like the world, when we want to adopt their customs, the way they behave, the way they speak, the way they dress, if it's not appropriate. It's, it's dangerous when they can't tell which is a Christian and which is a, a worldly person. When they can't tell us apart because we blend in so well. One of my greatest pleasures in life, as you know, is going to the African bush and seeing the animals. And many times on our drive in the African bush, our game ranger will often stop and get out the Jeep and he shows us a chameleon. And it's amazing. You can actually walk by a bush or a tree and hardly see it because it has the ability to change color. It can go from gray to brown. It can go from green to yellow. It's a master of camouflage, blending in with whatever color it happens to be on a limb of a tree or a branch. It can adapt to its surroundings. And Gilgal Christians want to blend into the culture and lifestyle around them because they so desperately want to be accepted. But Paul says in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you by the, into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. And there's a whole sermon that that Apostle Thea has taught us. You won't say anything about it now, except that there's three wills of God. There's a good will, there's a pleasing will, and there's a perfect will. What are we satisfied? Do we want just the good will of God, or do we want the pleasing will of God, or do we want to move on into the perfect will of God? And so... 
I know that all of us want to move on into the perfect will of God. So Paul is saying that we should not allow the behavior and the culture and the lifestyle of those around us, we should not be molded into their culture and lifestyle, and we should not be like them. We should not match the world in our thinking and our behavior, but rather we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind and the word of God. We're not supposed to be like the world. We are supposed to change the world, family. God says that he wants us to be separated, a holy nation, a holy people. But you know, when the Israelites, they saw the other nations had a king ruling over them, and then they wanted the same thing. They fell into the trap of, of comparisons. They wanted to be like the other culture, and they were just like babies. Oh, I, I want that toy. You've got that toy. I want that toy. And that's exactly what the Gilgal Christians wanted. They said that they've got a king ruling over them. We want a king ruling over us even though it was not God's will for them to have a king ruling over them, but they were baby, immature Christians, and they wanted what that other person had. They compared themselves to other nations, as I said, even though it was not God's will for them. So they became dissatisfied with how God governed them, even though they had 10 commandments uh, as a law book. They had judges to rule between right and wrong, but the feeling of not getting what other people had caused them to become dissatisfied. And you know, family, it's actually very tough to satisfy anyone who continually compares himself to somebody else. The feeling that lives in the heart of some people today is that life has mistreated them. And this is what happened to the Israelites. They felt that they were cheated in life because they didn't have a king. As long as we feel that life has mistreated us, as long as we feel we could have had something else because of what someone else is, God will never enjoy our own personal journey to maturity. Eventually, God said, you know what? Have your own way. And the Bible says that they did Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And isn't that a, a sign of, of carnality? It's a very sad state of affairs, family. When born-again Christians get stuck at Gilgal, where they camp at Gilgal, a place of carnal decisions, where emotions rule over our lives instead of us progressing spiritually, it's a place where Christians come to church who are born again week after week, year after year, and yet their lifestyle still does not change. Because they hear the word, but they do not apply the word to their lives. They are not doers of the world word. And you know, the truth of the matter is we're only fooling ourselves if we have a messed up life and we think Jesus is going to fix it and we're not doing anything about it. If we do nothing, we reap nothing. It's like the bird sitting in the tree waiting for God to feed it. When God says, get off the branch and fly and go get it, I've provided it for you. The Gilgal Christians, they still love to party, drink, smoke a little holy herb, sleep with their partners, come to church. I personally know someone 
They're living with their boyfriends. They've got a child. And I keep on telling them, you're going to miss the rapture. You've got to get married. And then her excuse, I'm too fat. I want to get a small before I get into a wedding dress. I said, go down to the court. Get legally married because you both go to church, not our church. You tithe, but you are sleeping together, living together. You're not married. You are a baby Christian. And if Jesus comes, you're going to be left behind. And then there's this new doctrine that super hyper grace, you can drink, smoke, party, do whatever you like because you know what grace covers us. That is a doctrine of devils. We are going to move. We're going to move, move, move from Gilgal, right? You know, in 2003, there was a Christmas movie called Elf. It was, have you seen it? It was a, um, a Christmas comedy and it kind of went like this. The story went, it was about a guy by the name of Buddy and he was played by Will Ferrell. He was accidentally transported to the North Pole as a toddler and then he was raised to adulthood in Santa's workshop among all his elves. But as he grew, he could tell for sure that something was wrong. He's six foot tall and all his brothers and sisters were three foot tall. His elf mother kept on making elf uniforms bigger and bigger and bigger for him. Eventually, unable to shake off the feeling that he doesn't belong at the North Pole, Buddy, Buddy is an adult now and he travels back to New York to find his father. He walks around New York City in full elf uniform. It's a Christmas comedy because he has such childlike ways because all he has ever known is He's been brought up in Santa's happy workshop full of toys for children. But how sad is it for Christians who have every opportunity to grow spiritually but choose to be like Buddy? God's plan for us is to go into the destiny that He has for our lives. He has so much more in store for us. And we have every opportunity right here at CFC to grow spiritually. We have got growth track. We have got the dream team. We've got Bible school. We've got freedom groups. We've got children's world. We've got community. We've got welfare. We've got everything. Come on, Cape Town. Come on, San Antonio. We've got it all to grow spiritually. So come on. We've got to keep on moving, keep on growing. We've got to be like Elisha. I'm not staying at Gilgal anymore because I am moving on. I like to move it, move it. I like to move it. I like to move it, move it. I like to move and move it. I like to move and move it. We like to move it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're moving, moving. Let's say this together. I'm moving on because God has so much more in store for me. We're going to move it, move it, family. We're not getting stuck. going to groove it, groove it, but we are moving. Elisha said, as long as the Lord lives and as you live, I'm not going to leave you. So the Bible says they went on to Bethel. Now, Bethel is our next stop in our spiritual progress. It's a place which represents our commitment to God and our spiritual journey. So in Genesis 28, we read the account of Jacob who left his father's house because his brother Esau threatened to kill him. 
So he fled his uncle Laban's house, and on the way there, he fell asleep and he had a dream. And I'm going to read again from Genesis 28, 11. And when he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it on his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. And I will give you descendants on the land on which you are lying, and your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and to the south, and all the people of the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. I will watch over you wherever you go, and I'll bring you back into this land. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. So when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? There is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So early next morning, Jacob took a stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on it. Verse 19 says he called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. And then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and watch over me on this journey and I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I'll return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And he said, and this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house and all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. So in the morning, Jacob took the rock on which he slept. He poured olive oil on it and he named the place Bethel. So Jacob came to a place in his life where he made a real commitment to God. He made a, a commitment that he was going to serve God. It was not enough now to be Abraham's grandson. Jacob had to establish a relationship with God himself because God has no grandchildren. Each of us must have a personal relationship with him. It's not enough to hear about the wonderful stories of, of uh, the Christians in our family or famous Christians from bygone eras like Catherine Kuhlman or Smith Wigglesworth. We have to, we cannot live on other people's experiences. We have to have a personal experience with God and a personal relationship with God ourselves. And this is where Jacob made a commitment to serve God. It's amazing, family. When Jacob had an encounter with God, he said, I will tithe. When we have an encounter with God, we will naturally want to obey God, and tithing will not be an issue for us. If tithing is still an issue for us, I suggest that we are still stuck at Gilgal. Have we come to a point in our lives where we know that we've had an encounter with God and we've made a commitment to serve God? You know, our daughter Candace came to a point in her life where she had to have an encounter with God at her Bethel, where she made a commitment to God. In 1991, Apostle Theo had a vision in which God told him to start the church in San Antonio. And as you know, this came to pass. 
in 2002. But in 2001, Apostle Thea and myself, we traveled to and fro from America to South Africa continually. And we left Natalie and Candace alone in San Antonio, and Candace fell into a deep depression. She felt she was all alone. She felt she longed for her, her friends. She longed for the church. She longed for her community. And she was at a point in her life where no one could fill, fill the emptiness that she had in her heart and the desolation she felt, and she felt so alone. While Apostle Thea and myself were traveling, she would sit alone in her closet for hours and cry uncontrollably. But it was in that closet that she had her God encounter. As she sat there all alone in the dark, she felt the presence of God. She felt the love of God in a tangible way. She felt God reaching out to her, loving her, hugging her. And she said she experienced the mercy of God, the goodness of God, and, she, uh, and the grace of God. Her experience was similar to Jacob's. She felt she had met the God of her parents. And he told her, I'm with you. I will never leave you wherever you are. I will watch over you. And the good news is, family, that God cares for you as an individual. It doesn't matter who your mama is or who your daddy is or who your grandmother is, your grandfather is. God loves you and cares for you as an individual. And he is the only one that can heal your heartache or your loneliness or your desperation. So is there more for us than God? Absolutely. Come on, family. We're going to move it, move it. We're going to move it. I like them moving, moving. I like them moving, moving. I like them moving, moving. We like to move it. Amen. <laughs> Come on, Cape Town. Come on, San Antonio. Let's say this. I am moving on because God has more in store for me. Okay, let's go back to our story. 2 Kings 4. Then Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. So family, there is a place beyond Bethel. There's something more than a declaration and a commitment to God. There's a place called Jericho. And Jericho is our third stop. It's a place where we as born again believers, we have an encounter with the word of God. Joshua 5.13 said, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and behold, a man stood opposite him with a sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, no, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And Joshua fell at his face, on his face to the earth, and he worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take, off your, take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. So it was at Jericho that Joshua met the Lord. The children of Israel had camped now in front of the city of, of Jericho, and Joshua was planning his battle strategy. The city of Jericho was built a long time before Joshua was born, and it was one of the oldest cities in the Bible, in the, old, in the, in the world at that time. 
And in some places, it had fortified walls up to 20 feet high, 40 feet thick. Remember, Rahab's um, house was on the top of that building, on that wall. And soldiers stood guard on top of the walls and could see for miles. So Jericho was a symbol of military power and strength, and the Canaanites thought it was invincible. So Joshua was planning his battle strategy when the captain of the host of the Lord with a drawn sword appeared to him. We know that Joshua fell down to worship, and he received Joshua's worship. Therefore, this was not an angel. But this was the Lord Jesus himself before he came to the earth in a human body. And most biblical scholars will agree with this. So the captain of the host of the army of Israel told Joshua to march around Jericho seven days. And then on the seventh day, they were to march seven times, blow the trumpet, they would shout, and the walls of that great city would fall down. And Joshua carried out his instructions from the Lord. And to a military mind, this must have been sounded absolutely ridiculous. But God moved the earth plates, triggering a massive earthquake and caused the walls of this powerful city to collapse. And in fact, this earthquake has been proven to occur in 1440 BC. And in fact, Pastor Thea and I have been there and we've seen the remains of the wall. So therefore, to the New Testament believer, Jericho is a place where we understand that the Word of God is the answer to life's problems as it was for Joshua. It's when we act on the Word of God by speaking the Word of God, then we're going to see life's walls and the problems come crashing down. It is at Jericho we realize that the Word of God is final authority in our lives. It's at Jericho we trust God's word more than we trust the opinions of men or even our own opinions. And it's a significant step forward in the life of the believer. The word will always focus our attention on the things of God. And you will agree with me that we live in such an upside down, topsy-turvy, crazy world. People are, millions of people are riddled with fear and anxiety and it is only the Word of God that can give us our peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So Jericho is a place where a believer has encounter with the Word of God and then we act on the Word of God. And when we act on the Word of God, we're going to have conquests. We're going to have deliverance. We're going to have freedom. We're going to have the joy of the Lord. This is a life where, where we experience the blessings of God, where every obstacle comes down in the name of Jesus. We rule in, over circumstances in the name of Jesus. And it's all available to us, family. But we have to make sure that the Word is final authority in our lives. We have to be fully persuaded. Remember, as Apostle Theo told us this, um, that when Abraham's body was dead, 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 stuck to it. Is that right? Is that right? Mostuert. Mostuert. That's Afrikaans for dead, dead, dead. Nothing is working, right? Nothing was working. But when he started speaking the word, what happened? 
everything was working. Why? Because he started speaking the word of God. So it is only the word that changes circumstances. And this is the reason, one of the reasons I love my husband so much, because he teaches us the word of faith. So let's say it, family. I must move it, move it. I must move it, move it. I like to move and move it. I like to move and move it. I like to move and move it. We like to move it. Amen. We got to move. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So we are moving. We're not camping, right? 2 Kings 2 9 says, And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I may do for you before I'm taken away from you. And Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit come upon me. So he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me where I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. So he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. And he also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of, Jer of Jordan. Then he took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also struck the water, it was divided this way and that, and Elisha crossed over. So Elisha found himself without a spiritual father. His spiritual father was now gone. So he turned back to the river Jordan. He took Elijah's mantle. He struck the water and he said, where is a God of Elijah? Family, here we see his dependence went from being on a man to being led by the Holy Spirit. And this is a type of the New Testament Christian trusting in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Apostle Theo has always endeavored to teach his congrega God's congregation and his sons and daughters to trust the word of God. He has often said, I've taught you how to believe God, how to hear his voice. But it's important that you know how to hear God's voice for yourself, how to read God's word for yourself, and how to act on God's word for yourselves. Now, many ministers do not teach their congregation about the wonderful word of God. They teach great motivational ser uh, sermons, which I like every now and again, and they teach them how to be current or relevant. But being covenant or relevant does not change circumstances. Being motivational does not heal diseases or mend relationships. In fact, I've never seen so many trendy current ministers fall off the wagon because they've lost the plot. They lost the plot. The plot is the word of God. Ministers, we gotta stick to the plain word of God. We must not make up our own doctrine. We just got to preach what the Word says. 
It's a word that brings miracles. It's a word that brings healing. It's a word that gives you provision. It's a word that gives you joy. It's a word that gives you peace. Glory to God. If we don't preach the word of God, our congregations will remain immature Christians and they will never be able to stand on their own two feet spiritually. If Apostle Theo did this, the church in Johannesburg would have collapsed when we expanded the ministry. We would have not had so many stable sons and daughters raised up into full-time ministry as they are today. So when we walk away from Jericho being led by the Spirit and acting on the Word of God, we will see miracles, provision, supernatural provision in our lives. It's then that we enter our Canaan's land, our promised land, our promise of we inherit our destiny. A true father, a, tr a father who loves his children, will endeavor to walk with them, teach them, lead them, uh, the Word of God and how to stand on their own two feet to make it in life. It's so important for us to teach our congregations to, to be dependent on the Word of God and be led by the precious Holy Spirit. What kind of father would Apostle Theo be if he made his girls completely dependent on him for every area of their lives? How would they ever be able to cope in their lives if they depended on him all the time? When Natalie went through um, a, a divorce, her husband left her for another woman. She had to build herself up on her faith. No one could do it for her. She had to do it for herself. She had her own journey that she had to take for herself. She fasted and prayed, not for 21 days. She asked me to do 21 days with her. I did 21 days with her, but that is enough. And so the next when she said, will you do another 21 days? Sorry, Jesus. I said, yes, but my fingers were crossed and I didn't do it, but I have repented. <laughs> I just couldn't do another 21. But her future was up to her. And she had to pray in the Spirit for herself. And when she prayed in the Spirit for herself, when she fasted for herself, God was able to intervene and change the whole circumstance around. And then God brought her an amazing man called Lansky into her life. She's happily married. They've got three children. There's Ava, Ella, Judah. They have two dogs, three coats, goats, chickens, ducks, guinea fowl, and a donkey. It's like old McDonald's farm. And when Ella was three years of age, she got a rare virus where her skin peeled off her body called scalded skin. They rushed her to a burn hospital in San Antonio where she spent a week in ICU. Natalie and Lance believed the Lord themselves for her healing. And Natalie sat with her baby, reading Apostle Theo's book on healing night and day. And Jesus showed up and supernaturally healed their child. So now Natalie is a mighty woman of God. She loves to pray. She loves to preach. God speaks to her in dreams and through the word. And we are proud of her spiritual progress. Candace has gone through three heartbreaking miscarriages. She's had to stand on the word of God for herself to believe and confess that she could carry children to full term. She's had to stand on the word for her children's healing. Uriah broke his 
uh, female when he was 18 months old, and she had to believe God for his healing. When Troy fell off, uh, that's her second child, fell off the changing table, and he cracked his skull, as you know, on the concrete. Yes, we prayed for men. We stood on Numbers 14, 28, but she had to fold, hold fast her confession of faith. She had to banish fear. She had to banish doubt out of her own life. She has had health challenges due, due to mold in her house, but she has overcome them all because of, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of her testimony. She has four children, Uriah, Troy, Elliot, and now she has baby Faith. Remember, she was always standing in, in faith for a little girl, and so God has given her a little girl, and she's called her Faith. And faith is nine months old, and we give God all the praise. So we are proud of her spiritual progress. So the goal of a mature believer is to raise sons and daughters who can stand on the word for themselves. Most of you are our sons and daughters in the faith or our grandchildren in the faith, and we're super proud of you. But I believe that God is positioning each and every one of us for our next season. And nothing will hold us back or stop God's plan for our lives or destiny. No devil in hell will stop you and we have the name of Jesus. I believe that you will rise above every limitation that has surrounded you and you will break through every word of opposition and circumstance that has come against you. With God's strength and His confidence, you're gonna move forward. You're gonna possess the territories for the kingdom. You will advance and not retreat. You will win your battles using your armor in the name of Jesus. You'll be led by the Spirit. You will hear His voice. You will walk in a fresh anointing. You will heal the sick. You will cast out devils. You will win souls. And you will accomplish everything that God has called you to accomplish. You're mighty warriors. You're sons and daughters of the Most High. Deliver us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's declare together. God has more in store for me. I'm going into my Canaan's land in Jesus' name. Give God praise in the house. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that incredible? Thank you, Jesus. If you're not inspired after that, then we need to bury you. <laughs> or raise you from the dead, I guess. <laughs> All right, every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. How many would say, Apostle Theo, tonight I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to be sure I'm going to heaven. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to join this body of Christ. I want to make sure I can stand and face the challenges in the future with the boldness that I've heard about tonight. I need Jesus. 
I don't want to do this on my own anymore. I've had it. If that's you, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I'm going to pray a little prayer and God's going to speak to your heart right now and tell you that you are His child. He does forgive you. He accepts you. And you will go to heaven if that's what you want. When I count to three, slip your hand up and you will be included in my prayer and God will speak to your heart. Are you ready? I'm counting. Slip your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Keep those hands raised. Keep those hands raised. Now somebody's coming to put their hands on your shoulders to let you know we love you and Jesus loves you while I pray this little prayer for everybody, okay? Go ahead right now. All right, everybody, please say this little prayer together with me. Dear God in heaven, all you in San Antonio and Cape Town, dear God in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus to die on that cross in my place. You punished Jesus so I can be forgiven. Thank you, Father. I accept my forgiveness. I'm sorry for my sins. Come into my heart. Save my life. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I will live for Jesus with all my heart from today. Praise God. Now I am saved. I am God's child. I am bound for heaven. Praise God. Now while every head's bowed and every eye's closed, in a moment, the person that prayed with you is going to take you and walk with you to the place of prayer, a prayer room, and you will be there for just a minute or two, and then you'll be free to leave. This is very important. It's about your salvation, so don't miss it. Go with them. It'll be very brief. Are you ready? Go right now. Give a big hand as they go. Praise God. Give a big hand as they go. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.